Welcome to the third episode of A Leg Up. My name is Adam Faze. I'm 18 years old, and this is the show about making it in Hollywood, hosted by someone trying to do just that. On today's episode, I sit down with a man who's done just about everything, John Lesher. A Harvard alum, a former partner at the United Talent Agency, a former studio executive at Paramount, and now the head of his own production company, John Lesher has been on many sides of this business. And now, he's produced films like End of Watch, Fury, Birdman, and the recent film, Black Mass. John is a man whose career was well known, but his name was added to the history books on February 22nd of this year, when this happened. And the Oscar goes to... Who gave this son of a bitch his green card? Birdman! As an agent, John represented people like Martin Scorsese, Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, Sidney Pollock, and more. During his time at Paramount, Lesher released films like Babel, An Inconvenient Truth, No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and Star Trek. I sat down with John over the summer to talk about his long history in the industry. Here's what he had to say. No, I mean, I went to Harvard, um, so there's a lot of people that, that go to school where I went to that wanted to come out to Hollywood. And um, so I, as soon as I graduated, I, I spent like a summer interning the, the, uh, the year before I graduated out here reading scripts and writing coverage. And where was that? Getting coffee for people. And, I did a little bit at New Line, a little bit at this company called um, New World Entertainment. At Harvard, did you find a group of students that were as interested in film eventually? Yeah, I mean, I, when I was at Harvard, I produced a lot of theater when I was there. And just, you know, because this was before the days of everyone having digital, a, a digital yeah. and video and everything like that. So um, we would just, me my friends and I would just put on plays and do all sorts of crazy things all over, all over. And then obviously there were film classes I took and stuff like that, but I actually studied East Asian studies when I was in school, but never thinking that's what I wanted to do. Right. It was always about wanting to make movies. And did any of those people in theater actually end up working with you? Um, I mean, a ton, I met a ton of people through that that I've you know continued relationships with in my in my life whether in one way or the other you know actors mm -hmm. and yeah actors and and other others so did you know after you graduated that you wanted to move to LA oh yeah I moved to LA right after I graduated and uh, I um I didn't really know what I wanted to do so I um someone said to me well what do you want to do and I, I said well I want to produce someone said um, well, are you independently wealthy? And I said, no, I need to make money. And they said, well, why don't you go work in an agency? So I started, um, that made sense to me because I really wanted to understand how the whole business worked. And that's really a great place to, if you're not from LA right. and you don't have family connections and stuff like that, it's a great place as a young person to learn, to meet a whole lot of people and to learn a lot and to really figure out what is it in the business that you right. want to do. And so I spent the first, over 15 years of my life in the film business as in working in an agency and becoming an agent and a partner of two different very successful right. agencies. And when you first started, I think it was Bauer Brenadek. Yes. Um, did you start in the mailroom? They didn't have a mailroom, okay. which was kind of appealing to me. So I literally just came right in and I was a, 
you know, when I first moved out here, it was the summer of 1988, not to age me or anything, but it was the writers, there was a horrible writer strike going mm -hmm. on. And um, so no one was hiring anyone. And then but finally I got an interview to go be Marty Bauer's assistant. And Marty was this very um, sort of bold and um, incredible, smart and kind of colorful agent and represented everyone from Brian De Palma to Larry Kaz and to Alan Alda, all these great guys, and did movies and TV, and it was a very small agency, so it was a great, ended up being a really great place to learn the business, because it was a, we did everything. And what were the hours like during that time? Oh, the hours were just like 20 hours a day or right. something. I mean, I was really into it, full, you know, full stop, and if I wasn't, I lived and breathed it, I mean, if I wasn't Working at the office, I was reading a script, writing up coverage, and delivering a script, or on call, washing his car, mm -hmm. getting coffee, whatever it is, whatever it required, you know. And did he have roommates? How did he pay for? Yeah, I had houses? some roommates. I had some roommates, and and I, you know, the, yeah, because the the salary that you get as a young agent's not very much, and the, I did that actually for for about a year and then I was promoted to a, to an agent. I was really lucky. I was a super young agent. I was, you know, 22 years old and an agent. So after that, I was fine. And you think you got that just by working? Yeah, I think obviously timing um, the, you know, where I was. I mean, certainly if you're at a bigger agency, um, the journey from mailroom to agent is much longer than than someplace, mm -hmm. someplace like the Bauer Benedict Agency. But um, yeah, it was just incredible hard work. I mean, I just tried to be like, you know, know everything that was going on, you know, read everything, just be indispensable to them. And then there was really no one, no one out there who was doing that the way, kind of the way I was. And then I really started, um, once I was promoted and we had, you know, a nice existing group of clients and then we ended up merging with this other agency called Leading Artists and starting an agency called United Talent right. Agency. And then I really then started building my own personal client list. So then I would, you know, read scripts and I had the incredible good fortune of finding and representing some amazing filmmakers from the very beginning of their careers, even before they ever did movies like Paul Thomas Anderson and David O. Russell and James Gray and Harmony Kareen and Wes Anderson and a lot of different filmmakers. So, How did you find yourself in that circle with those filmmakers? Did you just find stuff they were doing early on or? I would just try to, you know, when you, the job at the beginning when I was, uh, I was, you know, servicing the agencies clients which was great but I knew the way to to really grow is to I really wanted to find my generation's um, storytellers and so but if you're 22 years old or 23 or 25 years old who the heck who's really established is really going to allow themselves to mm -hmm. be represented by by you so it's just I just was I just said okay that's fine and these are in the early days of Sundance and and also the Sundance film festival and I would go to all the film festivals not only here but all around the world so I would just try to find interesting filmmakers and like that I signed this guy Walter Salas who did Central Station and Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu who did Amores Perros and you know and I Fernando Mireles who did City of God and I just that's what I started doing and then I found people like Paul and James Gray and David O. Russell before they 
ever did a film, I just read their scripts mm-hmm. and kind of guided their guided their careers. And then I started working with people like Sidney. Po- then I started being able to right. sign bigger people like Sidney Pollack and Martin Scorsese and people like that. And where do you think you got your taste? Because it was, you had a different eye than every other Asian out there. You know, I don't know. I just I would. Um, um, I just had the courage of my own convictions always. I would always try to develop my taste. I always tried to say that I was the person that you know had taste and I would read every script and I would constantly be trying to find people I thought were good and just believing in the people that I thought were good and, and then promoting those people to people like, here, I'm gonna tell you who the good people are and if you wanna know who they are, you should come to me. And to that, to you know, and I've spent my whole career doing that and, um, being a taste, trying to be a tastemaker, and that's if you can somehow figure out how to define yourself that way. I think that that's pretty much carried me through to this day. At UTA, I mean, you were there for nine years. Did you ever think that you should go and look and see if you could direct or write, or did you always know you wanted to be more? No, you know, I always thought um, I was always like in awe of these amazingly talented directors that I was working with, and I. I knew how hard it is to direct, and I thought, okay, well, I have, I'm really good at this other thing that I'm doing, which is, I almost looked at it like I could almost be like a producer working with my clients inside the agency, so I have the resources of this agency and the protection and the support of this agency, and then, um, um, and, and really help them get their films made. And, you know, if you're a producer or a director, you work on one movie every three, five years or something like that. I got to work on 20, 30 movies a year. So I, I got, in a weird way, like a lot of experience um, doing that. And now as a producer, that's really helped me and immeasurably. And do you work in packaging those films when you're at these agencies or more just representing the clients? Packaging is a term that people like to throw around a lot and I don't, I don't really particularly like it. Mm-hmm. I feel like what you do is you Yes, you, you try to cast, you try to put actors in your film, or yeah, you try to put elements in your film to help you both get the film made, but trying to balance that with creatively who is right for the film. And also to try to find a financier who understands what's good about the film. So it's not just about some packageable element for the sake of it, it's about, because what makes a film good is actually casting people who are right for the film. But obviously there's, an intersection between all of those elements, and that's what you really try to do. And do you think the shift from the, being an agent to working at Paramount, was that an easy one, or did it take some adjusting? Um, the shift to being to working at Paramount Vantage, which right. is what I did first, wasn't, it was exciting and an amazing, um, um, it was, like anything, it's it was a it was an adjustment because it's whenever you're doing something new that you haven't done before, that's really scary. Um, but I think it was possible for me to do it because I had an incredibly um, I had a proven track record and a and a um, and just in, just this is a relationship business, and I have incredible relationships with filmmakers and actors and writers and the people who get movies made. I, I know all of them and, you know, and so, I've worked with all of right. them. Right. And so going off of that, do you think that's why film school would be maybe a good idea because you'd be working with those people that might be the next Paul Thomas Anderson's and... You know, I don't know. For me, I, I, 
I think film school is great, especially for people who aren't from the business, who, who don't know that much about the business, or, or they want to learn a particular craft or thing in the business. But I don't think it's necessary inherently. I mean, it depends what you want to do. Um, if you want to make films, you can certainly take, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson went to NYU, I think, for a semester right. and then dropped out. You can certainly take the money that you could, you would, your parents would spend on film school and make films. And I don't, there's a, I don't know if that's a better avenue or not. It's certainly, um, it's certainly, uh, for me, I was just really interested in working. And I, I'm a very curious person, and I, I never I never thought about going to film school myself. I just used um, I had the greatest film teachers of all time as my film. I had you know people like Sidney Pollack, who's mm-hmm. probably the greatest person to read. He had a surgical ability to read a script and tell you instantly what was wrong with it. Maybe not with what to do with it, but what was wrong with it. And then and then to have someone like you know. Martin Scorsese, who you who you could talk to every day, telling you about film and talking about film in a way that pretty much no one in the world can do, and then and then the younger generation of my friends as well, all of us coming up and growing up together and endlessly talking about movie. There's no better film school I don't think you could have than what I've been able to experience. And you think a degree matters more or less now than when you were? I don't think degrees. I think degrees matter for you. Like if it makes you feel more right. confident, if you learn, if it, if it, it's everyone has their own personal journey that they go on. So I'm all for education, and um, um, but degrees in of themselves are just they're they're documents that can be on your wall or 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 something. But but all the, really, I think there's so many other things that matter just as much. And what about agencies? So because agencies are still a really great path to whatever people want to do in the industry, but a lot of them actually require degrees to even have a job in the mailroom. And yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I yeah. mean, it's like you've got a whole bunch of lawyers pushing right. mail carts and guys who went to business school and <laughs> law school, and you want to say that. I, I, I actually wonder why that is the case because, I mean, it certainly didn't used to be like that, but it, it, I don't think it's obviously necessary to do that job well. Right. Um, I would always say it could have come straight from junior high to Hollywood. I probably would have been better prepared. The because um, I feel like attitude really matters <laughs> as much as anything else, and curiosity in life that carries you far further. Um, I certainly personally would never hire someone just because they went to business school or law school. In fact, I, I'm I'm a bit of a more of a contrarian, so that doesn't that doesn't interest me mm-hmm. really. That like what how is that even remotely relevant right. to what I'm doing? Now, what I'm interested in is not what a lot of people are interested mm-hmm. in. So, the film business is the film is such that it is is much more corporatized and much more it's much more corporate than than it ever has been. Uh, so, I try to find my way to make the movies that I want within that, as opposed to trying to be that. And even though it's much easier to make a film on your own these days with digital equipment, do you think it's much harder to become someone big in the industry with all the competition? No, I just, I feel like, you know, I mean, I've wondered, you know, there was a whole incredible generation of American filmmakers like, you know, 
Steven Soderbergh, Quentin Tarantino, and Paul, and all these guys who kind of came up, and then it kind of seemed like it went away for a while. Like, where where did they all come from? And then you were like, okay, well, there's all these people in the world who are emerging. And, but I've, it's been nice to see there's, you know, with like whether it's Ben Zeitlin or Kerry Fukunaga or or um, or Damien Chazelle or you know, there's there's a there's a great amazing group of also other. People like I mean I think Damien's film is you know Whiplash is such an incredible right. first film and he's just an inc- he's an, he's amazing so just you know it's great to find people like that or that woman who just did that you know that that vampire the girl walks alone home right. at night I think that movie is just tremendous or or you know I was just in Cannes and you know there's some guy from Hungary who did this movie Son of Saul which mm-hmm. is amazing or I'm working with this guy who did. His first film was called um, 71. Yeah, and Dimage is an amazing director. So I just kind of look at the world out there and try to find voices and storytellers and people. And when you were at Vantage, did you take a lot of risks that probably other producers wouldn't? Other studio chiefs? Yeah, I mean, when, when I got there, the mandate was to try to make amazing films that stood out in the marketplace, that complemented the commerciality of the films of the big studio. That could win awards, that could win Oscars, that could go to film festivals, and I feel like I over-delivered on that concept. Um, so yeah, you, you you can't make anything worth seeing without taking a certain aspect of risk. I think risk is um, if you're not interested in risk, then there's without risk, there's no reward. If you want to, and also if you want to do something that's new and different and you haven't seen before, inherently that's a risk because you're not copying some other movie that's already been made. I mean, what other movie is like? I mean, there are movies always sort of like other movies, right. but but if you're trying to make There Will Be Blood or something, that's sort of in its own, its own thing. And when you just went to become president of production then at Paramount, um, did you try to take that concept and Well, no, I mean, bit? our mandate changed. Our boss's boss, the guys who run Viacom changed. So really the, there it was more about trying to make big films with great directors and people so worked on stuff like Star Trek and Transformers and you know it's about it's about kind of applying some Benjamin Buttons trying to apply mm-hmm. some aspect of that concept to to like a bigger thing and it wasn't to be honest the right fit for me or the right fit probably for them and so when that came to an end it was it was good because it got me back on the path now that I'm on producing and working with you know filmmakers and on so now I'm free from that it's, it was a great experience but I'm, I'm glad that I'm doing this and so now with two different perspectives what do you think about studios just having the tentpole years you know and less and less original films and when they do have original films not really pushing it enough like well you know sometimes they do I think that the studios are in this difficult studios are part of these corporate right corporate, publicly traded corporate companies which are managing quarterly profits and return on their investment capital and reporting to their shareholders and showing growth from one year to the next. And I don't personally believe it's sustained. You have to at some point make original films that aren't just sequels and remakes in order to keep the system alive and creativity alive. And my friend Alejandro Gonzalez and Yarito says, like, you know, films are not product and they're not um, content they're they're stories and they're they're 
the films that I want to see, their stories and um, and their their um, you know um, you can try to make them exciting, you can try to make them original, but they have to be what they are. And so I think that what the studios are doing is a very short term look at the business, and you have to invest in new stories and new what so that what things that, that you don't even know that are going to work that become your new franchises. And so now, being a producer, what is something you look for in up-and-coming filmmakers that would make you want to be a part of a project? I can't really describe it, but it's sort of that thing, I know it when I see it. Mm -hmm. I mean, mostly it's like you look at their prior work, and then and then you should want to, and then you also, um, it has to move you, or you know, you have to, and then inspire you, and then, and then it has, you know, and there has to be something I'm interested in, it has to be a story that I'm interested in helping, or has to be, you know, crazy enough for me to hold my interest, you know, like something like Birdman, the, that was really just Alejandro saying, I have this crazy idea for a movie, do you want to do it with me? And if, for him, with him, it would be, of course, anything that you want to do, I want to help you, you know, so that's just primary, that's just motivated by working with him. Um, and a lot of what I want to do is motivated by, by people that I want to work with. And then trying to figure out, okay, well, that's your idea. Let's do it. I, I like that part of it, you know, just to try to focus them on the part of it that I understand or that, and then to try to help them figure out how to get it made and then make it well and then have it be received and then bring it to the marketplace. And what was working on Birdman like? I mean, what were the days? I'm guessing they were probably long days and trying to fit everything in a tight schedule. I mean, there were aspects of it that were unlike any movie and aspects of it that were very similar to other movies. Um, we prepped the movie a lot. Now, I've done that on a lot of movies. So when you're shooting a movie, well, you, when you're shooting a movie quickly, the, the cheapest way to, and the most efficient way of doing that is to prep the film incredibly efficiently. So if we're not over-prepared, we're under-prepared. Right. So we rehearsed with the actors. So on the days, the days weren't incredibly long because we couldn't, we didn't have the money to go into massive overtime and mm -hmm. do stuff like that. And every day that you go over, and this day you have turnarounds, SAG turnarounds with your actors and stuff like that. So you don't really want to go into right. too much overtime anyway. So the days were very harrowing when we were shooting because they were almost like these very, there were these incredibly long takes that were, that took an incredible amount of coordination between multiple departments because not only did these, all these actors and extras and everybody need to, hit their marks and their lines and everything, but you had the whole technical side, the lighting and the grip and electrics and the props and, and you know, if the if an actor flubbed their line and we had to start over again, haha, that's funny, but if the guy holding the, you know, the grip or something happened, which didn't usually because we had such an amazing crew, but I think it was like a tense environment because no one wanted to be that person that, that was gonna mess up and, but it was incredibly sort of tense until we got it, and then when we got it, it was unbelievably exhilarating. So we would have these days where we were rehearsing, rehearsing, rehearsing the camera and shooting it and trying different lenses and, blah, 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 and then not knowing if we got it. And then you have people like Alejandro and Chiva Lebetsky, our cinematographer, who are just working at the highest levels of their craft. And so when we got, when we got the shot, it was like, it was like a Mexican soccer game where Mexico scored. It would be like, go! And the whole crew and everyone would cheer and clap. So it was like, 
tense and then unbelievably exhilarating and exciting. So it was really actually a really fun shoot. Once I also figured out that actually what we're doing was going to work, it was also I felt really good. Because at first I was like, how are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. And is it going to work? And what if, you know, because you can't cut in the traditional way. And what right. if the scene isn't working? But once we kind of, I understood that things could still go wrong, that it was actually going to work. It was actually really exciting. So in the beginning, were you not so sure it was going to be a success? No, none of us knew. We were thinking this would be an experiment, and we were going to give it our all and work really hard, but how could you possibly know? I feel like they're doing the most projects of all the studios. I mean, they have a unique plan, which is, compared to the other studios, which is while everyone else is making fewer films, they've decided they want to make more. Mm -hmm. um, and, they, and so that's great. Um, and this particular film is great because it, Warner Brothers has this long tradition of doing gangster movies, mm -hmm. everything from Goodfellas to to you know to The Departed. But going back, they've done they have a long tradition of gangster films, so it's great to to be there. And um, it's like an adult R-rated you know gangster movie. So I feel really lucky to be able to do it at the scale these days within a big studio. And we have other financial partners right. as well. So we have Cross Creek and Rat Pack Entertainment, which is Brett Ratner right. and the company is involved. And they've been everyone's been so unbelievably supportive, which has been great. And the the result has it's been a great result. Do you think the company you have is going to keep growing or? No, I want the, I you know the thing is is that that I want to do you know a few films you know one to three films a year. Right. I mean there there may be instances where I do more. Right now I'm also partnered with Rick Yorn and Julie Yorn. LBI. Uh, yeah, on 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 all of my all of our future stuff, and we have a deal with Studio Eight, which is Jeff Robinoff's company at Sony. So we're doing a bunch of stuff there and. I think we'll see because Julie and I and Rick can also produce. I can do things, and Julie's producing a movie right now. So I think there's a way for us to be to do a little bit more. But I, I want to keep it in, at the end of the day a little bit intimate. It's not it's not about growth for growth's sake. It's just about finding stuff that you want to do. And I I want to I still like to I like to do big movies, but I also like to do little movies. I just did a a film. I was one of I think twelve other producers on, but I was one of the I would think I was the first producer on this little film that just premiered in, in the Cannes Film Festival, and that was the reason I wanted to do that. Was it's a it's a new director, and I really want I really liked him, and I really believed in him, and I really wanted to help him get his. It's the hardest thing is always getting your first film made, and I wanted to help him do that. Is Sony becoming a more original film friendly studio? Sony Pictures. Yeah, with Mike DeLuca. I mean, he's left now, but yeah, Mike's gone. So I mean, right now I think Sony. Is a little bit in. It's hard to say because their Tom Rothman just took over. Right. So I think I think it's too soon to for me to tell, say what exactly they're going to be doing. Um, but you know, when Mike was there, certainly that seemed like it was heading in that direction. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Do you think for people that want to become directors, do you think directing commercials is still a good path to? Getting found or getting your name out there? Yeah, I mean, I think directing commercials is, you don't get to be, I always like to say, you don't become a better director by not directing. Right. Um, I think writing, if you can write, is great. Um, directing commercials can be great. Um, you can play around with a lot of 
can learn a lot. Um, obviously, people have done you know television. I mean, I think whatever your strengths are, you should try to emphasize those, and whatever you can do well, and whatever you can get your foothold your into, I think can be um, can be helpful. And obviously, it's a very difficult field to break yourself into, especially directing. So anything that you can do to try to kind of give yourself that. Is, is a good thing. Do you personally prefer writer-directors as opposed to just directors? Uh, I personally prefer a, uh, that type of filmmaking, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a writer-director, but it, ideally that's the best. Yes, if you can find a guy who, who because like I would, I remember reading, you know, Bottle Rocket or, or Rushmore and thinking, well, Wes, Wes and Owen wrote these, and if someone else had directed it, I don't know if it would be good. Right. Um, and and the quality of the work that you can, if you can write it yourself, is probably a, so much better than a script that you would be able to get on your own. But some directors are really good at developing other people's scripts, and so it really just depends on what your strengths are. And um, you know, if you can't, if you can write. Great. If you can't, then find someone who can, who can, who you can work with, who can become, you know, who, who can become, who can complement you. And ultimately, that's what directing and producing is. It's like I don't have to be good at everything. I just have to know what I'm good at, and then find people who are who who complement me, so that th there's no weak link. So, if I wanted to be a producer, what would you tell me to do these next few years? I would tell you to just, uh, you know, get some experience working and. Whether it's different types of things, also figure out what you like doing. Do you like being on set? Do you like working? You know, do you like development? Do you? Um, so I would just try to get an. I would get an, an entry level job. You know, no matter how low, because things move very quickly in this business. So it's you can go from being the guy who's answering the phone to running the studio in a number of years, and we've all seen it. So I think it's just more like having the right attitude. Um, I remember when I was at Harvard and they, I was giving, I was talking to some of the students there and they said, well, how do we avoid being an assistant or some of the things that you did? Because I was telling them some of the humiliating things that I'd gone through. And I said, well, you, you really shouldn't want to because you can't because if you don't do that, then you haven't, you don't meet the whole, your right. whole, you know, you, when you start, you start like at an agency or at a studio young and you're an assistant and you meet a whole you meet a whole generation of your friends who become who become your peers as you move up and grow in the film business and that becomes you know your support group to how you you know I, I would just say but I think attitude um, really makes a huge difference to, even if you're just getting someone's coffee to not you know to be, just be happy to be there if you're not then you should you should do something else. What were some of the humiliating things you had to do, um, <laughs> if you want to say? <laughs> That's for another interview, <laughs> but I've my share of unbelievably humiliating things. But you know what, those build character, like anything, it builds character. And, you know, a lot of times they, they, people will test you as you're young to see how much you really want it. Because if you don't really want it, well, then you shouldn't be there. It's not easy, you know. And, uh, and, it, and it helps, you have to have conviction and you, you can't give up. You have to you have to be determined, and that can apply to any aspect. Even today, like I'm, you know, you're working on something, and you're like, is that good enough? Well, no, it's not. So like, but that's not necessarily popular. And so, 
What you don't want to do is give up on what your core beliefs are when you're working on something. If you, you have to trust your instincts and you have to fight for what you believe in, but you have to find the way to do that in a way. Um, and you have to, um, and that doesn't stop. So having, you know, having, there's no easy path and you shouldn't expect that there is one, but if you hang in there and you're determined, then you know, it might not happen overnight. I mean, it's harder when you're trying to direct and do things that involve other people giving you permission to do what you're doing. But um, on the certainly on the business side of, or on the like agenting or working as a producer and other things, you can perseverance really matters. Thanks for tuning in to the third episode of A Leg Up. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with friends and give it a five-star review on iTunes. Special thanks to Aaron McClaskey for writing the original score for this program. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash up. Follow us on Twitter at at up, And check out our website at www.hearealegup.com. Thanks again for listening and tune in next week to part two of my interview with writer-director John Lee Hancock. Cheers. <laughs>